KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You're listening to Our Digital Future. And right there, you heard a song by Deer Hunter called Helicopter. Again, it goes out to Cody. Thanks for sharing that with us. Now, here we are every Wednesdays, 5 to 6 p.m., where librarians around the world discuss the digital future of our information spaces with me, ZBZ, and today we have Balen Aguilar, who is a librarian! <laughs> Finally, after many non-librarians, here's a librarian to discuss the future of our information spaces. So, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. And let's um, start off with the introduction about yourself and how you got to become a librarian maybe how what did you study for undergrad and where and what you've been doing for work since then or what you're going to do in the future or where you went to library school you know anything you want to share okay well I started um, my education here at UCI <laughs> Zaza, <laughs> and um, I graduated with um, a major in criminology law and society and psych and social behavior and I also minored in Spanish um, but ironically, I ended up in the libraries, <laughs> in a science library for that matter. So I started as an undergrad in 99 at the current periodicals, which is now closed, but um, then merged over to the reference desk. And so I've been there ever since. Um, there was a time when I graduated and then got hired on as um, full-time staff, which was like around like half a year. But ever since I was a student, I've been working at the science library under reference and so um, I ended up researching more of the medical aspects and you know helping students with um, current research in the medical field as well as engineering chemistry psychology and any other thing that just came up to the desk um, so when people ask me like you know what you major in because you're at the science library I'm like it was totally out of my field but um, I ended up there and I've been full-time staff for six years now, and I just got a librarianship job for um, nursing and allied health. So I'll be starting that on Monday. So congratulations, we're gonna miss her. <laughs> so my last day here at UCI is Friday. So I'm I'm kind of sad about leaving this place because I've been here for 11 years almost. Oh my um, gosh! Yeah, but um, I'm excited for the new adventure in my life and you know a new title. So that would be nice. And I went to. Um, get my MLIS uh, at uh, UCLA, so I ended up commuting to UCLA three days a week, which is not fun. (laughs) But um, I did full-time work and full-time school, so I kind of just went through the program in two years and got out of there as fast as I can before I put on more loans. But but that's where I'm at now, and three months later, I've gotten a job, so I'm pretty excited to just be a a recent grad. That was Um, fast. Yeah, that was. A lot of my friends are actually having trouble right now um, getting jobs, but um, it's because they're more in the public librarianship field, and then that's being hit hard by the budget. So um, one of my friends actually texted me the other day saying that two people from our class are actually interviewing for the same position she was, so she was a little nervous about that, but um, I'm, I'm blessed to have a job now um, in the uh, in what I want to do, is which is the medical field. So I'm really happy to have got in this job and the opportunities they're going to give me so I'm really excited. That's really good. Congratulations. You're going to be an official librarian after being a library assistant for six years. Six years. Wow. And a student for four. Oh my goodness. Well undergrad student and then grad student for two. 
So you liked UCLA grad oh, school? I loved it. It was so exciting. I think, I mean, I love UCI. <laughs> But the campus is so outgoing. It, it, it really just motivates you, and they really help you out a lot. Being in, in grad school, when you're more applied to your master's, um, the focus is more on you. So there's a lot of help and, and just people guiding you throughout the whole program. And you have your um, faculty mentor, which is very helpful. And everybody's there to just get you to... Um, really do your best. So I loved all the professors in the entire program, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, what wasn't fun was commuting <laughs> for two to three hours every day, but um, but it was well worth it. That's so good. You got to go to UCLA in LA and see another UC. Yeah, actually, it was really funny because the first part of my day would be here at UCI, and then I would drive over to UCLA, so I was at two UC campuses in one day, so sometimes I'm like, where am I? Oh, no. <laughs> and you see the dynamics of each campus, the similarities and differences, so it's really neat. And then being in the UC system, is, it's exciting, because um, I was used to the undergrad here, so their quarter system and the way they do things is very um, similar to UCI. And what I really liked about UCI is they're very based on research, and when you're in your master's, your entire papers are research papers, which a lot of students were not used to it and were struggling having problems with it, whereas I just breezed through them and, you know, I was like, this is easy. And everybody was like, no, this is hard. I was like, didn't you do research papers in your undergrad? And they're like, no. And so I, I really thank UCI for, like, really pushing and endorsing the whole research aspect and writing research papers. I mean, while I was doing it, I hated it, but it really helped for your master's and it really helps you just get through it even faster. That's good. You got to work um, with librarians at UCI who taught about how to research for papers as well. So you did um, the reference desk with them, and you probably helped a lot of students help get research for their own papers, too, correct, here at UCI. So all you undergrads, come to the library this coming fall. Welcome to UCI, freshmen. <laughs> Go and hit up a librarian for research consultation services <laughs> yeah i really emphasize for people to especially freshmen to come to the library and just speak to a librarian don't be afraid of us <laughs> we're really cool people we're talkative we're there to really help you and it's all about the students so i love the medical librarians and other librarians here at uci because they really go out of their way to help you but you just have to ask and that's the thing is a lot of students don't know about our services don't know we're here to help they don't know that we can really help them with their research papers and help them get that a you know that little extra step of you know we'll find things that you never even thought you could find and a lot of people what they do is they struggle at home trying to find it on google you know and so they'll spend two, three hours, days, they're frustrated, they're yelling, they're screaming, when we could probably find it in 10 minutes. So to save people that heartache, I really, really endorse, like, students just coming to the desk, ask us a question, just stop by and say hi to us. You know, we don't bite, so <laughs> come and ask us any question, and you'll be surprised how we can help you and how easy research will be after you know the tools, the databases, the websites, um, you know, journals that are best for your paper. And it could be anything from undergrad 39C to your upper division writing to, you know, just a bioengineering class. You know, our librarians are very smart and they're able to, um, you know, answer any question that you have. So come call us. Come walk by, ask us any question you have. I mean, I've gotten questions from how much does the world weigh to um, the latest research on cancer. So um, come by and, you know, if you have any medical questions or anything like that in terms of research that you're trying to research on your own, come and ask us and we'll be able to help you.
Oh, good. And then you're special. You hope to. Are uh, you specializing in medicine? So, we have a medical library here as well. How how do you like our? Have you been to GML ever recently or no? Yeah, I have been to GML, and um, a lot of the librarians here actually go over there once one day a week to help out um, the service desk over there. So you'll see the librarians crossing over. So if you find one there, you can always find them over here. And they really do go out of their way and help out. And they help doctors there at the um, UCI Medical Center and the hospital. So if they can help out doctors, they can help out students with, like, small little questions. So come by um, either Grunigan, Science, and even Langston for all you humanities and arts. I mean, there's nothing that we don't know about. Also music. We have an awesome <laughs> music librarian. So just come by and, you know, ask us any questions you have. Yeah, that's fun um, if people don't want to be sociable in person there's also aim and email and phone and there was even texting at one point mm-hmm. i believe and what what did you talk about in your you did uh skype as a re- reference or a research topic for yeah for my portfolio <laughs> um they to graduate from ucla you have to invent something new or you have to kind of um get a product and kind of make it better for your portfolio so you can graduate and so what I did my whole research based on was on Skype a librarian that's what I called it um, the University of Ohio start, started it and they started with the kiosk inside the library but I wanted to go further than that and have like actually Skype from home and since I started noticing that a lot of people internationally were using Skype or Skyping with their family members so even from the young generation to the older generation are now on Skype and internationally to to contact people from abroad they're also using Skype for um, study abroad or um, yeah, I used it last summer when I was in Spain to talk to friends back home. Yeah, and it's catching on. And the nice thing, too, that I noticed is iPhone is the biggest thing lately. lately. And what's going on with them is now they have the dual camera to, you know, help with oh. Skype. And so I thought if, you know, even cell phones are being made for Skype, you know, then little by little it's going to catch on just like AIM did or other products out there. Um, so my whole um, portfolio paper was on Skype a librarian, and that would be from home, and you can talk to a librarian because of the fact that people are scared to come into the library um, and talk to people. This is a way that they can just, you know, from home, you know, just talk to them if they want to just chat because Skype has the capability to Skype, I mean to chat, to um, just talk on there or to do the video but the video feed would really help I know that in the beginning people might be a little scared to be like on camera or on audio but I think as it's being used more and more students will um, be comfortable with it and I did research on it too where people were actually using Skype for study abroad and things like that and at first they felt a little weird and then after they got comfortable with the camera and what helps the librarian is to notice is a student feeling lost there's a lot of like audiovisual cues that you really need to be able to help the person out or to really understand their question because sometimes people come to the desk with one question but they really mean something else and it's called the reference interview so you have to try to almost like be a mind reader or a guesser try to see what what do they really need what do they really want what, what are they not telling you so through Skype through the audiovisual cues then you can be able to see what they're really needing or if they need to go or they're like oh you're not getting it they can do that face and you're like okay so I'm not getting it what, <laughs> what else can I help you with and what I really liked um, was here when I was um, about three years ago or four years ago I would start with um, Ask a Librarian Live so it was chat based and you can co-browse 
So I really like the fact that I can co-browse with the student, show them things, but it was really hard too when you can't talk to the person. Sometimes you felt like, can I just pick up the phone and talk to them? You know, so this um, whole idea that I had was going to incorporate the whole audio-visual and the co-browsing because Skype now actually um, does a screen sharing capability. So you can actually push, you know, the pages over and be like, this is where you need to go and talk it through and then visually go back to talking to them. And so that was my whole idea. And I wrote that paper for two years. <laughs> so, oh, two yeah. years. so it was a long paper and then I had to present it. So you have to do a presentation. So you have to do a whole PowerPoint. And it really was um, Christine Borgman, one of my professors, that really got me more motivated on it. First, it was Ask a Librarian here at UCI, using that and helping students with it. I loved it because I'm really into the whole chat, whereas older um, librarians are not. They had to just kind of get familiarized with it, and I was comfortable with it. So I was able to chat quickly back and forth with the student. They were happy they got the transaction. But sometimes it is lagging. Sometimes it's lacking the whole um, audio so um, with Christine Borgman, she actually, our first class at UCLA that I had with her, she had everything on podcast. She had Skype um, professors coming in through Skype for our classes. So it gave us opportunity to have these guest lecturers, you know, without having to fly them over from across the country. I mean, there was one professor who was snowed in and he had to do it from home. So um, we were able to get all this information through Skype. So why not use that for the new digital age for the libraries? Because the libraries are now merging more into technology than they are, and students need to be aware of all these technologies like um, texting and um, Ask a Librarian Live, and um, hopefully the future of Skype <laughs> librarian that they can use. So our digital future is with Skype. I yeah. guess so. <laughs> but did you guys talk about like Second Life or any other kind of? There's what else is there? Some. Those like rooms, but those are more like if you have an avatar, that's kind of different, right? Yeah, they did talk about um, the whole Second Life, and I know there's a lot of librarians that actually use it as a virtual library, and you know, I think we have one, we do have one here yeah, at UCI. Yeah, like Anteater Island <laughs> or something. I personally didn't catch on to that. Um, I don't know if maybe in the future more people will catch on to it, but um, I researched it, and a lot of people are just not into it right now it's not as big as they thought it would be yeah i, I never thought it would get big when yeah. they first introduced it i was like who's gonna use that like mm -hmm. people have to want to go yeah there and like nobody wants to go there like they like that that game sims or mm -hmm. whatever but that's different because like a game but like why would you go in there to do research maybe and that's kind of weird i don't know i think i find it harder to yet to create a character unless you're a video game fanatic and that's kind of what you know lures you in and that's awesome but Personally, like having to go through all that to just ask a question, I think it's harder for me than just pushing a button and, hey, connect me, I need a question now. Because a lot of times the attention span of students at the reference desk is five minutes to two minutes. So you have to quickly give them as much information or as little as, you know, to get them started and then have them come back. And a lot of times they don't come back because they either think, oh, I got it, I can do this on my own, or they're scared to come back because they feel like, oh, I'm bothering the librarian, you know, by coming back and asking so many questions. But that's what we're there for. Come and ask us questions. Come back. You know, listen to us. We're providing all this information to you, which your tuition is paying for. So <laughs> I know tuition is going up there. So why not, you know, take advantage of it? And all the, you know, off-campus connecting, you know, your computer th through all the databases. And then you're paying for all these databases that once you leave UCI, you probably wish you would have used more. So people really need to take advantage of it and not just use Google. 
um, but use the databases that are focused on their subject base. That's good for um, everyone coming to UCI to start off their fall welcome week um, prepared for classes. This is the first um, fall you won't be helping out with welcome week here. You sad? <laughs> it's sad. I used to do all the games. It, it was really nice because I would do the games and the tours, and I would end up meeting even foreign students. I think foreign students use our libraries more than local students, but a lot of the foreign students would come to the um, the tours or the events or the games. I would be out there in the park in the heat handing out like five to 600 flyers to come to these games that we had. Um, I think this year is going to be a little bit more different. They're going to have more like a an app for your either Droid or your um, iPhone, and then you can play a game that way. So come Welcome Week, we're going to have a game that's, you know, phone-friendly. Um, they're working on it right now, so I don't know all the details. Um, but, yeah, I used to do the Welcome Week, and I would meet a lot of students, and I would notice that, you know, just talking to them and having that friendly conversation with them, they would keep coming back and coming back and asking me questions, and I noticed that the people that kept coming back, they didn't they never stressed out about their papers so because you know they had that relationship with us in the communication and we were there to help them so i would really endorse that you guys come and do a podcast also tour of the library we have those available that you can just um, do from your phone as well and just get to know the library a little bit more even if it's just to come and study you know just know that we're here to help you and we're located on the second floor in the science library and the first floor in the langs and so um, we're not invisible. Come and <laughs> check us out here. Yeah, I like the basement at Langston. It used to be haunted, supposedly. <laughs> yes, the basement was very creepy. I've been here th that long. I used to, actually, if I had a book that I needed to get from down there, I would get a friend to come with me. It's like the whole buddy system. Or I would actually like just run and then run back to the um, elevator. So everybody enjoy the basement now because before it was really creepy and you would hear the boiler you know making noises and it was just humid and, and dark and scary so now it's really interesting because they have the compact shelving they have computers they have really nice furniture at length and i'm kind of jealous because at science we don't have <laughs> <laughs> that nice comfy furniture so yeah i heard they did like poltergeist or one of those movies like there was a basement scene there i don't know really but... i haven't heard of that i know that they did the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. But, um, because at the time the library was more futuristic looking, mm -hmm. but now we've actually like kind of spruced it up a little more, so that's nice. And then there's um, all those um, library tours we used to give with all the little tidbits. They say the science library looks like the Starship Enterprise or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you, I've even heard the, the tours on campus saying it was made after the Starship Enterprise. Uh. And I was like, I actually asked the library and I'm like, is that really true? And they said, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the designer just kind of designed it its own way. But and then everybody's done its interpretation of the design. And yeah, they said it other... looks like a frog. Yeah, there's so many things. It's kind of interesting just to see like the different variations of like probably myths of what the library looks like, especially the science. Yeah, they said it was like a British architect that um, died right before it was opened or finished, right? And that he was like making it like a hospital inside <laughs> and like British uh, buildings, the main desk is usually on the second floor. So that's why they put the loan desk there initially. But then I know recently we moved it to the first floor, mm -hmm. which makes sense when you walk in, which is where... Um, 
it is for Langston, the main library, when you walk in, there's the circulation desk. That makes sense. And then, yeah. But to look for a reference, that's what I always wondered as a patron. Like, I always think the first desk I see would be the reference desk. Mm-hmm. So I always used to think as a patron that the circulation desk was the reference desk. So I think that's something maybe librarians could advertise more at universities or wherever. Be like, oh yeah, these are different desks. Or maybe they want to combine them. And just have separate lines, like one line for circulation, one line for reference, or I don't know, what do you think? That is true. Um, at Glenagan, they actually have one desk, so it's a multiple desk. They have the loan, the circu- well, the loan desk, ILL, and reference all in one. And what students probably don't know is that we call people that come into the libraries patrons. Like, there's all this oh. language, <laughs> sorry, there's yeah. all this language to our Not profession. Not a customer. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, at the stores would be customer. For us, we call you guys patrons. As well as reference, a lot of people don't know what it is. I know that when I started school, I didn't know what the heck reference meant. And so we're actually thinking of renaming the area to ask us, ask. So just know that reference means that librarians are at a desk and you can ask us any question you want in terms of your research or anything you're curious about. So just come by and ask us a question and we're there to help. Um, So the whole library new age also technology is thinking Should we really even have desks? Should we call it reference? What should we do for the future? And I think in the end, um, having a person there always helps. Because I know when I call certain phone lines and it's like, push one, push two, push, and I'm just like, can I just talk to a person? You know? I know sometimes chat can be a quick way to ask a, a quick question. But in the end, I think having that relationship with the librarian and having them really go out of their way and show you more than you ever thought you would know, it's, it's really helpful and people don't take advantage of it. And I can't emphasize that enough, that people really, really take a, advantage of their um, resources here on campus. Yeah, I really like um, thinking of the future and seeing what the changes could be coming. But then with universities, I guess there's that's another problem when you're looking for a job, it's what kind of librarian do you want to be? Do you want to deal with all the university politics and the things that come along with making changes at a university? Or do you want to work at a public library where then you have to deal with what the state budget or what's the difference? And then there's the private libraries. There's, you know, then maybe they have a lot more money at like, I don't know, art libraries, museum libraries, or, you know, personal home you know, like there's the Huntington Library and Gardens in Pasadena. That's more like, seems private, you know, like they can do whatever they want. They're more like an archive, you know, special collections. Like what, what, there's so many opportunities. That's one reason why I went for my library degree. It's, I, could, I could go wherever still in these two years decide what, what's the best environment for me as a librarian in my future. What do you think are, are pros and cons for okay. you? Yeah. Of being a librarian? In any sector. Like you chose the university um, as a staff and now for your profession as well to be a librarian you chose a university. It's Mm -hmm. like academic setting. So Mm -hmm. did you ever think about at all like interning or volunteering or checking out like other people that you knew? Did they have any opinions about, about where to work um we'll get to that question after our middle of the show song because we're in the middle i'm going to play a song for you here um by braid 
Um, Braid is from University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, which is, happens to be where I go to school for my library degree. That's why I like to play Braid here. Um, that was the plus of accepting that that um, university um, opportunity. So here we go. We're going to play a song called I Keep a Diary, and this is by Braid. Thank you for listening, and we'll be right back to our digital future on KUCI. Here on KUCI, where we talk about the future of our information space spaces, and today we have Belen Aguilar. Thanks again for coming on the show. Um, so I asked you a question right before the the middle show song. D um, did you have time to think about that question? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, um, what do you what do you have to when say? When I went to school, I was open to other fields. Um, when I came in, I thought, no, I'm just going to do academic, academic. And a lot of times in the class, they divide you into what you're more interested in or what you know more or where you're volunteering or working. And um, I tried the, I took a lot of classes in the public librarianship just because I wanted to be well-rounded. I wanted to know what is it that the public libraries offer to, you know, kids or, you know, students out there for um, community colleges, anything like that. And I found it very interesting. I I went more towards children's librarianship, so I took a lot of classes in that. So it was interesting to be able to um, learn how to read books in front of the classroom, you know, to kids. But it was a little embarrassing. <laughs> That's so fun. I used to do that to my sister growing up. I would, because of the school librarian in my elementary school mm -hmm. reading to us, I would read to my sister who was just um, 10 years younger than me. So, because I mean, now she's 19 and I'm 28. So... Oh, excuse me. So I would go and I would like show her the pictures mm -hmm. and like I think I was probably really young. Like, oh, I guess I was, I don't know. But it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. And it's weird because there's an art to it. Like you have to hold the book a certain way, flip it a certain way, talk in like almost Mother E's talk, you know. So it was a little embarrassing that um, everybody's um, older and, you know, everybody's getting their master's there. And you're talking to them like in baby talk, like, look at this, you know. And so sometimes those classes were a little scary, like, you know, going up there and presenting. I always got really nervous. And then there were some people who were like, you know what, I'm not going to talk baby talk. I'm just going to read the book because, you know, they were kind of embarrassed too. But I learned a lot. Just um, it really helps you with the whole like stage fright almost and just being able to let yourself go and just like be silly and you know so I really love the whole aspect of children's librarianship and I took um, storytelling classes and you know just um, librarianship so it has a lot to do like um, with just getting programs together and trying to get the community to come into the library and let them know what resources they have as well as putting events and just um, educating children and babies I mean a lot of people don't know that you can even have um, toddlers and just, you know, a few months old babies come into the library and already start to recognize words and books and, you know, images. So um, I even asked my own sister, you know, because I have a nephew that's two years old. I'm like, have you taken him to a library to, you know, just go to story time? She's like, no. I'm like, why aren't you doing this? You know, because I just started learning about it. So it really helps out, you know, for those out there that have kids that want to, you know, 
get their kids more into reading, you know, start them early. Start them as young as two months old, just going to the library and seeing these books and seeing other kids involved in reading and get people to read. So that's the number one thing. There's those summer programs. Yeah, there's a lot of summer programs. I think that's where my passion for um, library started. My mom would always take us to the summer programs and as well as book it. Remember that? Um, you get like Bookmarks? a free pizza. No, you get like oh. a free, it's a program and you have to read so many hours and then you get a free pizza at the end. So they had things like that to help kids to just, you know, go out there, read and just, you know, educate themselves. So I also took a, um, I think a juvenile or is it like teenagers? Teen, like yeah, people that like, like teens, tweens kind of, um, twilight right now. Yeah, seriously. Like the background music. I'm playing <laughs> yeah. some new moon instrumentals. If you can recognize this twilight soundtrack <laughs> instrumental. And that's, you know, that's interesting because I actually um, did a presentation in terms of um, advertising because we had to create our own program. What will we do for the teens, you know? And the program I created was um, to have, them read the book and then watch the movie and to somehow show them you know reading the book it's more details more interesting than watching the movie because a lot of times I get people saying the book was so much better the book was so much better so um, I would endorse a, a program like that so we had to create one and we had to like present it to the classroom and what would we do and our That's budget like and all that yeah so it's really interesting like the I whole love aspect. movies yeah <laughs> you do <laughs> so yeah the whole aspect of just getting like Anywhere from like, you know, zero to like 100 years old people into the libraries. And it was really interesting to see the um, public aspect of it. But my, I think my passion is more um, helping college students. Like I, I get so excited to be on the reference desk and somebody give me a hard question because I'm pondering on it all day long and I'm trying to get you the information. Even when people leave, if they leave me their email address, I go out of my way and I research it for them and start sending them articles. Hey, hopefully this might help. So... I really like learning new things every day at the reference desk because not only am I teaching you, but you're teaching me. And I think that's my passion of being on the reference desk is learning new things, researching anything and everything that comes up to the desk. I mean, there's crazy things that come up to the desk sometimes, but, um, you know, everything's really interesting and, and fun to, to research. And maybe one day, sometimes I think when I retire, when I'm older, I might even try to do the whole children's librarianship just to retire with that and just get a little taste of it because it seems like a lot of fun. But right now, my passion is more academic and more medical, and that's what I'm comfortable with and, and I really enjoy. So that's why I went towards that. And then there's also the whole museum aspect of it and the archives. And I took some classes in archiving and just... Um, a museum kind of aspect of the library and it's interesting but I think the hard part is the budget cuts because they need to have grants or people donate stuff to museums and then they have to um, collect it and then um, define everything and then you know display it so it's a lot more work and you're not more involved with a lot of people you're more in a room with objects and you have to describe them and you, you know everything's counted by linear fee and sometimes things in the collections aren't even touched for years because they don't have the money and yeah i'm in an arc maintaining archives class currently it's interesting you'll learn a lot in the archiving it's it's a different world and i'm thinking i'm specializing in it mm -hmm. it's fun i mean to think about all the things out there that could be archived like 
I mean, they even had us like think think of the weirdest things, you know, to archive. I think at UCLA they actually had a baby's book archive, like people that it's just normal people that had a collection, you know, from down to the baby's hair, you know, in the albums. And then I think it was like from the early 1900s or something. Um, they collected all those books of you know parents that they had for their kids and they displayed them. So it's it's weird to see that anything and everything could be famous or I would used like scrapbooks. Yeah. I have a couple scrapbooks. Yeah, so anything could be archived, anything can be, you know, shown and displayed at a museum. Um, and a lot of times archives keep collections for many years. And there's a lot of rules to it too, because if the person's still alive and they don't want their name being released, because say it's involved with something, you know, down to uh, the Black Panthers or something, they, you know, a lot of times they don't want the real name shown. So then they have to actually go through the entire archive and anywhere where the real name comes up or maybe their AK name comes up they need to scratch it out for privacy issues but a lot of times there's rules to it like maybe 10 years after they've died then it's all game and they can display the names but there's a lot of rules you know a lot of things are still kept in the vault for 10 to 20 years to as many years as the contract is that they received it so each museum says yes or no to a collection based on the rules that the person gives that is donating the collection. It's, it's interesting and, and it's not for me but I, I find it interesting as well that to know that there's a lot of stuff being archived out there and some stuff is really funny I mean what's, <laughs> what's it can be archived so. yeah people are getting paid to collect things you would never think of yeah or just people's hobbies you know what I mean um, sometimes um, people die and then they want to donate the collection to somebody or you know their kids are like hey my parents or my mom collected this are you interested in it and, you know, the museum says yes or no, but the thing is they're running out of space, just like libraries are running out of space to hold books. Um, so about digitally, digital archives? Do we have, probably, I mean, I know we yeah. have a lot, right? Actually, that's a new thing going on um, in library school. The whole, I can't even pronounce it sometimes, digitization. Like, yeah. It was so funny seeing people present their um, presentations in class because they always stumble on the word, but everything's being digital now. Like, like there's the Google project. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the California, is it digital library or is it something digital archive or there's the internet archive? There's yeah, and you know what's funny, when you take that archiving class, you see how museums now have indexes to all their collections before they didn't. So you would actually have to physically go there and look at the collection. A lot of times now they're, you know, it's digitized and it's on the internet and you don't even have to go to the museum and it's there, you can view it and it has the index that displays like the size, the year, the person, you know, the whole metadata and Like a map it. probably of where to find it in the actual museum or mm-hmm. something. Cause well, it's it's a map to the collection. Uh-huh. So sometimes the way archives is, it's by linear feet. So they have this much linear feet of this collection. But it can be anywhere in the collection. And a lot of times you have to stumble through a lot of stuff. So with these indexes, then um, you're able to find it where it's at in the collection, one number box or this much linear feed into the collection, and you're going to find it there. So that's the new thing that people are trying to do and then digitize it. And that's actually amazing because you see a lot of things like back from the 1800s that are, you know, on the Internet. And you're like, wow, this is history. This is how the city used to look like. This is who used to live there. You know, this is how people acted or behaved or yeah, lived. I like our university archives. I looked at our blog. I don't think it gets a lot of views Mm because there's comments that are on these really cool old pictures of anteaters even, like black and white. And I was like, oh, not a lot of comments. Like, I don't think people know 
that this exists. Like if you go search on our website, you'll see that there's like a link to the University Archives blog. And it's like how UCI's campus looked like in 1969. And it's crazy, the black and white pictures. And there are um, photos from when they were filming Planet of the Apes and the mm-hmm. different... I think there's a picture of Paul Newman or something. I don't <laughs> know, but it's like these pictures exist. It's just... I guess you just can't Google it because it's a special archive. You got to go through a special website, so you got to really look for these really great historical documents on the internet. They are there. You just sometimes you need special permission. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the campus, sometimes that's how you can view it. But I know I viewed our um, University Archives blog just on a public link. So and we also have the East Asian archives that people are not aware of. And Dan Sang is like he knows about the collection as well as Christina Wu and who else is in charge of it? Ying, or then other library. Steve McLeod. I think he's in charge of it as well. So if you need special permission to view it outside of the, I think it's only open one to five. It's limited because of you know budget cuts but you need to view it before they're really nice and they'll open up the collection to you and we have people flying from like across the state just to come and see our collection so being here at UCI take advantage of the stuff that we have here that other people are you know paying to fly across the country to view so yeah because I just heard recently that different UCs specialize in different collections like I was wondering why isn't my favorite author included in our non uh, our science fiction library here at Langston and um, I heard that UC Riverside is the UC with the highest like science fiction collection. So um, everybody should go to UC Riverside if they want, you know, a fa- to see their favorite science fiction author in the library and have access. Which most UC students, faculty, and staff can get a library card at any other UC. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. You can just go. Well, I think a lot of people don't know that. No, they you don't. just show your UCI uh, student ID, faculty ID, staff ID, whatever, and you, any UC, even UCLA. You go and you say, "Hey, I want to check out. I get a UCLA library card or whatever." I know for UC Riverside, they just took my UC Irvine staff ID and um, used the same barcode, and they said now it's in our system as the UC Riverside mm-hmm. barcode as well. So here's the same um, loan period as UC Riverside staff. There yeah, and if they don't have the means to get there or the trans- they don't want to drive across, yeah, um, they can use interlibrary loan. And actually, if you put that request, if it's in the UC system, sometimes it comes as fast as I got one three days, I think. Um, so it was quick, and I got the book, and I was able to read it and use it. And also take advantage of it, especially for you humanities students. A lot of the um, novels that you need to read, you can get them through interlibrary loan. And if the other UCs don't have it, they'll get it from any other library in the U.S. or the world if they're able to get it. It might take a little bit longer, but start putting in your ILR request like two weeks before school starts. And really take advantage of that um, service that we have because you guys get them free you know and so try to see if there's anything out there that you guys are going to be using for your books and you can save money because i know for ucla i only paid for one book in my entire um, master's um degree because um it was just a brand new book that came out like two weeks before and then none of the libraries had it so i had to purchase it but for everything else i did ill for it and i didn't have to pay for my books yeah that's Whereas what everybody I'm doing. else did yeah, I don't even go to school in California, but I'm able to get my two textbooks from UC Riverside's library. That's why I went, because I was like, oh, let's see where they have it. And that's even in our syllabus for University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. They're like, you can get your books 
from a library. Look mm-hmm. for your local library if they have these books. Yeah. Because these are going to be used I mean, in the class. I mean, textbooks are yeah. harder to find because mm-hmm. it, there's a new edition every year and, and libraries don't like to purchase them as much as, um, unless they're on reserve. So check reserves to see if you can save money by just checking out the book for two hours. But if it's any other book, start searching Melville. Melville's our catalog for um, all the UCs. Mm-hmm. And just put in the name of the author or the title of the book and see if somebody owns it out there. And if, you know, we don't have it, just put in ILR request. It can't hurt. See if it comes through. And then you save yourself money. Sometimes the loan period could be up to, um, what is it, like a month to two months. It, even if it says no renewals, you might want to just call the ILL department and see if they might, you know, be able to renew it for you. But if not, you can always add another request for the book through ILL and get it again. So, you know, take advantage of the services that we have here at the library that will actually help you save money here at UCI. Thank you for that tidbit there. And thank you for coming on Our Digital Future. Um, I'd like to congratulate you once again on your new position. And UCI is going to miss you (laughs) at the library. But you're lucky to be working in your field of choice as a librarian officially right out of uh, UCLA Library School. So congratulations, and let us know how it's going. Come back anytime, <laughs> Wednesdays, 5 to 6 p.m., Our Digital Future. Um, would you like to tell the audience any last thing? Um, just take advantage of the libraries and be open to the new technology that we will have out there for you, as well as remodeling the library to fit you best to come in and you know use our services. And maybe I'll see you guys on Skype a librarian in the future. Yes, Skype a librarian named Berlin Aguilar. So, <laughs> thank you so much. And this has been Our Digital Future. We're going to end the show with a song by uh, Bob Nana. Here's a song from San Diego's acoustic set. Uh, here's a dozen roses. Until next week, thank you for listening to Our Digital Future.